everyone. This is Britta Wedeling and you are listening to the Bits and Pretzels podcast, the podcast for founders and entrepreneurs, investors and decision makers. Bits and Pretzels is Europe's leading founder festival right here in Munich, Bavaria. Home to the pretzel, to Oktoberfest and to Bits, of course. Creating the next generation of companies. Welcome to the show. I wouldn't say it's disappointing uh, because uh, you have to admit um, if you sell your company for 100%, you have to understand that somebody else is in control and is allowed to make decisions. Uh, is it the right decision? Again, I think from a corporate Adidas perspective, um, it's uh, probably the right decision uh, mid and long term. On the other side, of course, it's hurtful for me because it's my brand, our brand, we all built that. But that's part of the game. Again, you know what you are doing if you're selling and becoming part of, uh, of an, a bigger corporation. Sometimes what happened in the startup world is not that different from Hollywood. An entrepreneur is looking for the right partner to work with or to sell a company to. And it's as difficult as finding the right person to get married to. Looking in from the outside, we are captivated by the struggles, the love, the surprises and the expectations involved. The ups and downs on the way to finding the perfect match, right up until the curtain falls and everyone rides off into the sunset. But what happens after the happy end? After a startup gets acquired by a large corporation or after an investor buys a big stake in your firm? Hollywood usually doesn't tell. And neither do those founders who in the end discover that selling shares in their company may have led to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but certainly not to living happily ever after. This is what I'll be discussing today with Florian Schwantner, the Austrian who co-founded the fitness app Runtastic in 2009. Just six years later, Florian and his team sold Runtastic to Adidas for 220 million euros. But three and a half years later, in 2018, Florian stepped down as CEO and early this year, he left the company for good. In this episode of the Bits and Pretzels podcast, Florian will talk about the clash of cultures between corporates and startups, about losing control over the company you founded and what it feels like when the brand and purpose you created are destined to disappear. Thanks, Florian. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you here with us in Munich today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward. <laughs> and I think the greatest news about this conversation is that you're going to start, you're thinking about going to start your own podcast. Exactly. So I'm still in a thinking phase. Uh, nonetheless, I already bought a little bit of equipment. So it's getting more serious. And maybe this is a very good uh, learning today for me uh, from the other side. And maybe I have to ask you about some advice, how I can do it perfectly. Very nice. Future. Very nice. <laughs> It's nice of you to say that. So obviously, we want to talk uh, with you about Rantastic, about, you know, your way uh, started the company, left the company uh, in January because you've been a big role model for many entrepreneurs. And we want to learn a little bit more about your journey, about your evolution as an yeah. entrepreneur. What I thought was interesting when I went to doing a little research about you and your company and what you talked about in other interviews about, you talked with Deutsche in 2016 and he said about Adidas, we have to be careful that they're not destroying us uh, in the long term. Uh, and I think this is an interesting point to start the conversation with. So what, what did you mean by that? And what was your, your thought or your fear um, yeah, there? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's pretty simple. So what I've seen so far that some companies, some startups have been acquired by big corporates. And uh, after a couple of weeks and months, the founders left or the whole startup, so to say, was destroyed because either there were many processes now involved or the brand was gone. And I wanted to make sure, first of all, that uh, our brand, our company, my people, my team, they are being safe also for the future, whatever that does mean. And other than that, you know, we were not in a position we have to sell the company. So we were profitable. Runtastic was doing quite good. Uh, we had some offers on the table and I want to make sure, or I wanted to make sure that this is the right step really for the whole team, for me and also for the other company. Think about Adidas acquiring a company for 220 million and after six months, 12 months, uh, the company is not working anymore, then this would be a big fail. Right. And we'd like to avoid right. that on both sides. Absolutely. You stayed with the company for four years, yes. which is like a pretty long period yeah. when you think about it. Talk about why you did this and after that, why you came to the thought that you wanted to change that. Yeah. So it's pretty funny because I'm just coming from Herzogenaurach. Oh, yeah? I, I was there yesterday, yes, okay. because... The main responsible or uh, the second person who was uh, really responsible for, for the acquisition was Eric Littke. He was the CMO for Adidas. He is there for 25 years, but he also uh, is leaving the company. So I met him um, to say goodbye and talk a little bit about what we have achieved in the last couple of years together. And um, yeah, how how did that start? So and um, no, now you have to to uh, re-ask me the question. I'm sorry. This happens to me all the time in a podcast, and you will experience the same thing okay, that's in a your good podcast. <laughs> so the question is: You stayed with Adidas yes, exactly, after the acquisition exactly, exactly. for four years. Yeah, yeah, Talk yeah. about why you did this and yeah. when and how you choose. And I think this is like the topic for this podcast: how you choose the right time for exit, because this is something yeah, yeah. that many mm -hmm, entrepreneurs mm -hmm. think about, and many are yeah, curious sure. to learn. Yeah. from you so yeah. four so, years first yeah. of all um, why did I stay that long for, for some people um, I would say uh, really in the face of the acquisition we talked what's next what is happening so there were basically two things we uh, just wanted to make sure that the startup still is a startup and then we support Adidas on their digital journey and so to say uh, nobody destroys us and what we did we built so to say a firewall that means only I talked to Eric Litke and he talked to me and we agreed on certain topics we're working on so said okay those are the strategic topics and we are not doing anything else beside that that worked very well and on the other hand we also agreed that we have the founder team has to have to stay longer than a few months because that's the only thing why a startup is working it's based on the founders on the culture and we wanted to make sure that uh, we have really a win-win situation and we didn't uh, get down to say there's two years three years four years however how long we should stay um, but I figured out myself after a year that's really fun because also they and Adidas gave me the opportunity to being part of the leadership team there to really see a lot. I was together in Harvard on executive leadership training. I was in the board meetings involved here and there. So I really have had the chance uh, to see the corporate and also to, to get my opinion in their digital strategy. And so that was really cool. And therefore it felt for me, I'm allowed to be CEO of a startup, but on the same time, I'm allowed to be part of a leadership team of a big, huge, uh, very successful corporation. 
And I think you also had the opportunity to experience both of these worlds, right? I mean, yes. you know, when we think about bringing together big corporations and small startups, it's always this, you know, clash of cultures that is happening. So what, you know, looking into both worlds, yeah. what have you learned about these both worlds and all like the things that probably also not working Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, when, when we think about a collaboration. So first things first, uh, was really, really funny and very easy for me. It's just human beings working there. You might think, wow, that's a corporation with 65,000 people and doing many, many billions in revenue. But nonetheless, when you talk to the board, uh, to the first line, to people, it's just human beings working there. So, so making, no robots. No robots and no this super <laughs> intelligent, uh, of course, good people. And uh, many might be super intelligent, whatever, but... Making norm, mistakes, I exactly, guess. Exactly. Making mistakes and also asking questions, raising questions and not knowing the answer all the time. Yeah. And so what I was surprised how much we do understand our digital world. Because, you know, you're working in a startup, you're building all the things, you're trying, you, you're exploring, but you're figuring out that you're probably being on the cutting edge or on the bleeding edge of technology. Mm -hmm. You really know what is going on on the really, really um, high-end uh, tech level. And then you see, of course, the people there, and I wouldn't say they have no idea about that, but of course they are not that deep in the topic. Right, then, like Adidas. Like Adidas. And I think so many other companies, of course, there's a cool futures team and they're, they're trying out good things. But, but they make a, mistakes. Sure, we all do, hopefully. And um, so here we could come in and really show how we are working, how HL we're working. So we established a digital leadership team there where we really exchanged our thoughts, where we started a few projects. We started working with OKRs, for example. Um, that was totally fantastic dream. Yeah, things like that. It's an invention by Google. I know, yeah, yeah. IBM and then Google. Right. And yes, exactly. Yeah, like mm -hmm. to get like some results. Exactly um, on a quarterly basis right, that exactly. you focus on a few objectives. Right. Just explain this to the audience. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Some yeah, people yeah. Mm -hmm. don't understand. This is what, what you also have to do in a podcast sometimes. Yeah, explaining yeah. stuff to exactly, people. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, but I think, you know, talking about mistakes and this kind of clash of cultures, I think there have been probably some situations where you thought, well, this could have been better or we could have prepared better or this is a situation where you can really see this kind of clash of culture. So, so talk about that yeah, because yeah, I think, yeah. you know, at the edges is where it's getting interesting yeah, yeah, exactly. for, for the audience. So, first of all, I was super frustrated by the meeting culture. Okay. I totally get it that people from all around the world, they are traveling a lot. That right. means there's a lot of, of conference calls yeah. and yeah. video calls and whatever. And you know, at Rantastic, if there's a meeting at 3 p.m. and you get in at 3 one, you have to do 10 burpees. So oh, really? yeah, yeah, you are getting punished or however you want to call it that. Um, it's also good for your body if you're late. So, um, but anyways, that was very important for us to be punctual on time. We had meeting rules and being very strict on that because for me, that's respect. And when we had these meetings at the beginning, it was like five minutes, 10 minutes late, 20 minutes, somebody not showing up at all. And I found that so disrespectful at the beginning. Yeah. And I really also spoke up and I said, that can't be if the leadership team is working like that. And I'm not saying so many push-ups did the editor's management <laughs> have to do? No, no, no. I, I couldn't convince them that we are working with a system like oh, that. Okay. But nonetheless, um, I spoke up and we talked about that. And we really changed on the way because think about that's leadership. If the leader can't be punctual and on time and then this is disrespectful and it's also a waste of money if 10 people are waiting for 10 minutes, 100 minutes. 
And right. I say, you know, we just wasted a hundred minutes of working time. So that's, that's, that would be poor management. Um, so that was one thing I really was very frustrated. That got really better um, um, within the last years, uh, fortunately. So what else uh, was really interesting? What I felt also that so many people wanted to visit us in the fantastic office. So I had the feeling, okay, some people just have way too much time and no real agenda. But I th again, it's not, you know, that's not you against Adidas or whatever. You were kind of the newcomers, incomers, aliens. Of course, it's interesting seeing this new Funny. office, startup right. lifestyle, going there. And, you know, it's like it's like a class uh, of people is coming and just hanging around. And we stopped that, of course. And again, this is not, I think it's very typical in an organization with plenty thousands of people. Um, yeah, there, there, there are people, they, they might be at this time not in the right position and do have too much time. So I think that's in general a, a difficult topic because we already saw that by 250 people. Um, you might think, okay, are they really all working hard? Are they really have the right challenges at the right time? So that was yeah. also a big learning. Um, yeah, what else? What I really liked um, was the idea how also uh, after one year, the new CEO, Kasper Rostet, came in. He changed a lot in the management. So he was more the leader, uh, being very open to all the other management people, really uh, getting rid of the walls uh, in the board office. You know, it was very, I would say, old style with each board member had their own office and their own doors, whatever. And so Kasper got rid of that and opened it up and said, we are being one leader team. We are all sharing the information together. And that was really cool to see this transformation because I was really in this transformation process and really see the change in there. And then I would say leadership works in the very same way, whether you're being five people or you're being 5,000 people. Right. You talk a lot about how the situation of your company and the company culture changed after the acquisition. You talk about how you started your company without taking any money from the outside, mm -hmm. from outsiders that you always tried to save money and that you were always, yeah, exactly. you know, very happy when you got invited because everything you did was like saving money to put back in a company. Yeah. So when you got, a, I mean, you know, because this is, some, I think, something that many entrepreneurs ask themselves. So when you get acquired by such a big company, you have all this money all of a sudden, You have all these opportunities, all these responsibilities. At the same time, you know, you, you, you're not the only person who can make decisions in your company yourself. So talk about the most important things that changed for you, your life, for your company, the way you managed your company after the acquisition happened and yeah, what yeah, other yeah. entrepreneurs can probably learn yeah, yeah, from yeah. that. Yeah, there's a few questions now, Britta, but let's start... Um, The acquisition. First of all, when we started Rantastic, I didn't know about uh, selling a company at all. That was never our motivation. And now working also as a business angel, if somebody comes to me and say, uh, there's a, this is my way to the exit uh, because I got slide decks like that, then I never look into the slide deck. or Because, talk to this. because if the only motivation is to sell a company and to getting rich, uh, then that's wrong. And in my opinion, uh, it will fail anyway. But it's a nice, it, it's nice to be rich, isn't it? I wouldn't say so. It's nice to be uh, independent on a financial basis. But it's, But it it's nice to be rich. Uh, I, I think that's stupid. No, that's that's not nice. I think it's nice to be financial independent and you don't have to think about what is if my my laundry machine is, is broken or whatever. You know what I mean. But somehow we are all rich being born in Austria, Germany. So I would call rich is something else. 
You know, that's like how we are allowed to live, that we are getting an education system, a healthcare system. This is really, and we all do have that. Everything else and money, that's on top, okay? But uh, back to the question, or back to the, to the statement I'm saying, it can't be that the only one or the biggest motivation is, I want to get rich, I want to get money, and I do that for money. At least for me as an investor, I wouldn't invest in a company like this. How many people, uh, how many people pitch startups having these kind of incentives? How many people do you see? It's less than 5%. Okay. That's but, what I would mm -hmm, say. But mm -hmm. I immediately know, okay, those are not the people I want to talk to, period. Um, and then, you know, we didn't know about that. And I always said to myself, we are not selling the company. Maybe we, somebody will buy us. Because that's totally different in your head. And we were in this comfortable position, being cash flow positive, profitable, doing a good job, that we never were in a position where we said, now or never, we have to do that. So, and that was always really good for the negotiation process because we were very calm and said, hey, if no, then it's no, even though we spend already four months in due diligence or whatever. So my co-founders and I already, we always had an exit plan, not doing an exit. So that was always very, very good and helpful. Um, Even though, of course, if you're investing like four, five, six months now with, with a company and you're becoming friends, you're having these dinners. And of course, you're talking about many million uh, euros. And of course, you are laying in bed and thinking about, wow, that would be really a game changer for myself. You know, I lived in my student apartment uh, till a year ago. So, um, till a year ago? Yeah, it was I upgraded once, but it was still a very small apartment and whatever. Yeah, okay. I couldn't find the time in between to to change. And I said always, okay. I'm not I'm not at home anyway. I'm traveling. I'm being in the company, so it doesn't right. matter. What, what, I don't need okay. that much. But now, now, so Florian Kratnai <laughs> is living in his not, student apartment. Not anymore. I I did okay. my upgrade. Okay. finally okay. this year in June. Moving so. into. <laughs> Uh, a house. No, uh, Mansion. no, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's really a nice penthouse. So, so <laughs> in Linz at home, but uh, all good. Um, uh, what else? What else for entrepreneurs is important? I think when you're talking to a company like we did with Adidas and we talked to others. Right. You mentioned there were many. There, were, like there were more players. Yes, exactly. Uh, for example, we figured out, I don't want to go, let's say, to Asia on a quarterly basis for board meetings and staying there for three weeks in a row. That was for my life. I also looked at my life and said, what would be my best option? And Adidas was also very cool because it's the same language, the same culture, the same time zone, which is a big advantage, you could say. So that was also, you know, um, probably not the highest bid. So we got offers higher than the 220 from, like the, from Asia, other players. Asia? Yeah, in that case, well, an Asian player, there was a US player, private equity. So, um, and this is also maybe the next learning. Always make sure there's more offers on the table. Because that helps a lot for negotiation if you want to. And by the end of the day, it's a, ne a negotiation process. Um, and it's good to have more players because then you understand what is important for these players, which KPIs they are looking, how they are doing the evaluation. Because by the end of the day, um, you could say, okay, it's maybe an EBITDA multiple, it's a revenue multiple whatsoever, but it could be something else. And for us, and that is important again, I think for the, for the listeners here. What have happened in early 2015 that my fitness pal, it's a calorie tracking app in San Francisco, you know, Mike Lee, the CEO, a friend of mine, they got acquired by Under Armour for $485 million. That was January 10th or so, something, 15th, um, 2015. And I immediately in the morning, I, I woke up and I got, I think, 10 text messages. Have you seen, have you seen Flo, my, my US colleague, Josh? Oh, what the God? Oh my God, what the fuck? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I looked at that. Okay, that was quite interesting. And what have happened afterwards, we didn't expect. Within a few weeks, 
other players were knocking on our doors. Because they said, okay, there's something changing in this industry. And that's the important part now for, for the entrepreneurs out there. The timing is super important. Right. Because what have happened? Somebody set a statement and a price level for an industry, right. for health and fitness startups, for tracking startups, tracking calories, distance, whatever, what we all are doing, and say, wow. And so the valuation methodology changed a little bit because it was about active user, registered user, what did they pay for one uh, user? And so we know, wow, that's a new level where we are, even though being a European company, but always we have been very international, uh, which was important. And so, um, yeah, we set ourselves like a valuation in our head and we said uh, below this valuation, we would not sell the company, period. And How much did you have to go down? Um, no, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell us. Yeah, yeah, nah, but it was, it was, but you had to go it was down. not that far away. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was, okay. it was not like 150 or something. It was okay. higher. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is an interesting point we're hitting on right now is that you have to think about the culture that you are kind of buying into when you sell your company to another company. So would you say, like, Looking at the debate that we are having in the German startup scene right now with SoftBank, you know, giving a lot of money, uh, other Asian companies acquiring, like from China, acquiring yeah. startups. So would you say that's not a good fit and people have to be careful or like from your perspective, no, and no, no. what I, you learned yeah, about? I wouldn't say that. And uh, for example, SoftBank, they are being um, the experts in, in venture capital and in um, they are doing better as well. Most most of the things they are doing, beside WeWork and a few others, right. are, are Uber. pretty Uber and uh, several. I guess we can yeah. now. There are several. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 changing a bit. So, um, but again, for us, it was more like uh, the company was very very old, very traditional, very. It didn't fit with us, you know. For me, what was important, SoftBank didn't fit. With no, 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 no. The company uh, they they made us an offer back okay. then for Rantastic, okay. yeah. Uh -huh. And, you know, I wanted to have the feeling, and I had that at Adidas also with Eric Litke, that there's somebody in the board who understands where we are going, what is digital and how, how they could use for, in our example, Rantastic, are really to leverage Adidas, to be really, wow, this is the digital force now. This is the digital starting point for us in the next, in the next chapter. And I had the feeling because, again, you could either say, okay, I'm getting my money and I'm out. Um, but that was never my intention because I know I have 250 employees, a great team, and I want to, I really want to work on something with them and having a shared vision. Um, and we, fortunately that worked out very well. And if I would do it again, I would, I want to make sure that both parties are happy at the end of the day, because again, otherwise it would be Uh, uh, you lose a lot of money and reputation and you could say, okay, I made my deal uh, like Adam did and walking out with Adam Newman, Newman right. from, from WeWork and yeah. whatever, but uh, that's not me as a human being, you right. know, yeah. I like uh, screwing everybody over. Exactly. That, that's, right. that's not the way, you know, right. I want that in a way that saying after three, four, five years, everybody says, okay, that acquisition was done very well. It was the right price point. It was the right time. And it was good for both sides. Right. When you are an entrepreneur and you are getting in touch with somebody who might be interested in either investing or acquiring, how do you find out if there's a fit? So do you, like, for example, what I know from my friends uh, in San Francisco, you go do wine and dine. You yes. probably visit somebody over the weekend. Ex yeah. So talk about that because uh, I think, mm, you know, this mm, is something yeah. people don't talk enough yeah, about. Yeah, no, it, it would have been a very similar answer. Uh -huh. uh, so sorry, it would have been a very, very similar answer. Um 
I think one thing is going into the meeting room first, sitting in there, talking through a slide deck, getting to know each other, you know, sitting opposite each other, figuring out, okay, do they understand the topic? That's the first point where I want to check, do they know what we have here? Do they know what we are talking about? Are they really interested? Because I often figured out, okay, they want to understand how the business model works and whatever. And they use their power of the brand to get the meetings. So like all these board members, you and know, copy it. and copy right. it or just learn from you and say, Hey, I spent some time with this cool digital guy. You know, that's also, I got offered board seats for German companies where I don't want to be in, but they just want uh, your knowledge. Of, yeah. The knowledge and also sometimes Connection. also just showing, Oh, there's a young entrepreneur, digital successful in our board now. Right. And that's good for the company, for the shareholders. Maybe yeah. whatsoever. Maybe you have to teach them this push up thing. You yeah, know, exactly. Like this, I, yeah. I, I did that once in a board meeting. Yeah. Oh, you did? I did it. Axel Springer. I did. Oh, I, I, I showcase Axel Springer, you know, in right. 50. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah. they bought a stake into fantastic. Yeah. It was like a part, part exit. It was 50%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And, okay. um, but it was already an exit. The money to us, it was right. not investing. And in the board meeting, you know, with Matthias Döpfer, I yeah. did I did 50 push-ups to to show our newest app, the push-up app. And then I didn't even know, but years later, many people told me everybody at Axel Springer knew. That was really the, the talk uh, in of, the town. Top of town. And really? so they said the crazy Austrian guy was there and whatever. Okay. But somehow it was convincing uh, because they made the deal. But back to the question, it starts in the meeting room with knowledge. Do they understand? Is the approach the right? But the more important part comes afterwards when you are going out, having dinner, having a few drinks. Because... Uh, the socializing is, in my opinion, way more important. Uh, who is the person opposite me? Who is the company opposite me? How they are thinking? What is their? What are their values? And of course, it sounds now so, Ugh, but in my opinion, it's people by the end of the day, and uh, so doing decisions whether we are crying you, we investing in you, we are believing in you. Um, and even with Adidas, you know, I spent, I think, half an hour. So what happened, Eric, so that's a, I think that's a very good story. So Adidas was really ranked very low in the game for Arantastic, our preferable partner. Why? Because mm, they, they, they showed some interest, but not really. I looked them up and said, okay, the brand 20 back 2014, 15. Okay, they are not wow, but they are okay. Whenever, then we had this meeting in Linz in this very, very uh, little meeting room. And then uh, Eric Litke came. They said, uh, the CMO is coming today, presenting quickly, 20 minutes, whatever. Yeah? So he came in. I saw, wow, that's a cool guy. Not coming in as youth, coming in his um, good fit shape, um, nice dress. So really, so cool Adidas look guy. Put on the slides and I was, wow, that's that's way better than I expected. That was really way more modern, way more looking forward, way more game-changing. And this attitude of that guy, very similar to mine, powerful, emotional. And I immediately recognized, I could work with you. I would work for you. I like you. Within 10 minutes. Then we talked and Eric said, so that's interesting. And you are also, your company language is English. I said, yes, yes, there's 41 nations mm -hmm. in the office. And, and so he said, yeah, can we go there? I said, sure, we can go there. You know, we didn't plan anything of that. So we went out there. I had to make sure that nobody really knows what Adidas or what the guy's doing here because all of the people in my company didn't know that we are talking to somebody and I want to keep it that way. Nonetheless, we went out by car. And I think when we drove out there, it's 20 minutes right from, from Linstown into our office. Um, so the important questions or the important things we talked in the car. 
So a little bit about life. What do you like? He's a surfer guy. Uh, do you, you are like, a car guy uh, yourself. I, I, I am right? more a car guy. Yeah. Get, yeah, but but also a fitness guy. So I know uh, doing workouts five times a week, whatever. And he said he was in the morning doing each five thirty workout. And so wow, cool. This this is a so cool there was guy. a personal connection. Exactly, there way. was a personal connection. Then we went into the office. The, all the flipboards were full of charts and everything in English. Uh, Eric said hello to a few guys. They were very polite. We didn't stage that. That was really the truth. And he said, wow. That's really fitting. And afterwards, uh, we went back to, to his car and he said to the driver, okay. What kind of car did he drive? No, it was just like, he came from Adidas down there. I hope in an Audi. I don't know. You know, I'm a big Audi fan. No, <laughs> Small I, advertising I, break I, here. Exactly. Um, no, uh, but uh, I even can't remember. But nonetheless, the driver was gone and we spent 30 minutes in there. And he said, I think we're in a very good way to make that happen. And I think, you know, Eric, for today, for me, the game has changed. Adidas now is very, very high up the food chain. And um, I think I like what you presented today. I think Grantesi could be a very nice part of this digital journey, a supportive part, but also a leading part in technology and, and, and. And after these 30 minutes, I made sure, so we, it was kind of a promise we made each other. I think I never told that somebody. Um, that we said, okay, if we're going to do that, we're working that out. Uh, the next couple of years, we're working as a team and the two of us, are responsible that it will work. And we are not blaming each other. We are not blaming anybody else. We are responsible that Rantastic X Adidas journey is successful. So we gave each other this promise really with a handshake. And that was something. Uh, and again, I met, just met him yesterday where I told him this story and I said, I'm so happy that it worked out because I like people, their handshake quality. You know what I mean? And Now we talked a little bit about to what to tell entrepreneurs and also listen to your heart, listen to your gut instinct. And for me, it was important. I want to work with somebody who I, who I like yeah. and who I see a mentor in it and where I can learn from. And so afterwards I took them and said, let's go in the Silicon Valley. I want to show you something. So we met like Google, Facebook, Amazon. So we did all those meetings, but I, I flew with, with the CEO and the CMO of Adidas and we were there and say, Hey, we have to be smarter here. We could be better there. And then, then. so it's kind of important to have access to the C level directly so. yes. and also a yes. personal yes. connection, a good way to talk and the same KPIs, as you say, I would really, forward. if I being an entrepreneur and I'm getting acquired, I would make sure that I have board connection, no board seat, of course, but But uh, unfortunately, there was like a present for them that I was part of the, I was called co-leadership group, so a li little bit the advance board uh, that I was allowed to join here and there, so all the time uh, and on the monthly calls. And that was very important for me, but also for my team, because it, it didn't feel like, you know, that's another very important thing for the entrepreneurs out there. You have to make sure that the team understands in the understand in the right way what is happening here because they should be excited after an acquisition which is not that easy and we made that happen because everybody said hey that's really a cultural fit and there's little things you know after the acquisition we made an all hands meeting at the same time the announcement was at 5 p.m and at 4 45 we announced uh all hands meeting for all the employees we told them i prepared a presentation i made sure afterwards everybody got very cool adidas fantastic branded shoes you know It's so little things. And so everybody was really excited about this. How, how would you define the success of the acquisition right now, today? I would say um, it was definitely a, a successful uh, acquisition for both sides. Um, in between, so or directly afterwards, you can't tell because right. it's a lot of money uh, they spent. Uh, but I think over the time, over the last couple of years, we made a, a few very right decisions Within Adidas, for example, that we are not moving 
well, not doing hardware anymore. So tech hardware, like wearables and things like that by ourselves. And moving into software analytics. Exactly. Moving services. more in the services right. part, membership right. part. We take a lot of knowledge for, for subscription. Right. Uh, we are, we are now integrating way more into the apps. There's this creators gap called if you run a lot, you can earn your levels and you are getting then rewards. Money can't buy experiences, things like that. And I think it was a little bit of a digital kickoff for the company. And then combined with Casper uh, coming in, also being a big believer into digital, um, that worked out very, very well. How so, do you how do you deal how did you deal as a co-founder with a you know kind of lose of control when you have like more people sitting at the table? Yes and no. You know, there's two things what uh, really worked out very well. First of all, uh, the physical um, 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 places because we are being four hours away from Nuremberg or from Herzogenaurach. That helps that you're like being still independent, the distance, exactly. Um, and on the other side, we said, yeah, it's allowed to do integration, but one step after the other. So we started very slow with a very small project and we added another one and it was not like taking the company and integrating in the next three years everything. So it was year by year. I think that was important even for our people, but also for the other side, because what is happening, you have to learn, you know, it's like big IT teams in big corporations and they move on a slower level. That's obvious. They, are, they can't be as fast as a 200, 250 people startup organization. And then you have to find the right stakeholders and understand, okay, if we're doing projects, who are being the right people? They have the right power on the Adidas side as well. And then you have to convince them and they have to convince their people that this does make sense. Because what is happening um, during the phase of integration there's no great KPIs outcoming. If you're doing single sign-on, you're merging databases or whatever, that is not fun projects. That's boring tech stuff. And it needs to be done that afterwards you can set up services on that. And therefore you have to do a lot of communication within both companies that what are we doing right. the next 12 months is not visible on any KPIs uh, we have on our management dashboard. So, so how did you deal with the loss of control? The loss of control, I, I would say there was not that much loss of control, to be honest. I would say the loss of control I mean, a like little bit started after I was gone now um, because the integration even became bigger. Um, integration became bigger. The, the name of the, the brand The name is of the brand disappeared. Right yeah. uh, it's the Adidas running app right. now and a few other things, right. which might be right for, from the corporate uh, Is this uh, disappointing for you? I wouldn't say it's disappointing uh, because uh, you have to admit um, if you sell your company for 100%, you have to understand that somebody else is in control and is allowed to make decisions. Um, is it uh, is it the right decision? Again, I think from a corporate Adidas perspective, um, it's uh, probably the right decision uh, mid and long term. On the other side, of course, it's hurtful for me. Because it's my brand, our brand, we all built that. But that's part of the game. Again, you know what you are doing if you're selling and becoming part of uh, of an, a bigger corporation. So, Is this something that you saw coming in a way? Yeah, somehow, yes. Because again, it makes sense if you see the bigger picture um, from everything digital and how important that is going to be end end end. Yeah. Was this part of the decision why you decided to leave in January? No, 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 definitely not. No. Why, why did you leave? Why did I leave? Um, like completely? Uh, yes, completely. Um, a different topic now. 
So I told myself, I want to stay there and want to make this journey successful. And this fantastic Adidas journey. And I had the feeling after three years, um, we've done a very, very good job. So even better than I would have expected that the, the companies are working together. But I also saw coming, what are the next step? Deeper integration, bigger integration. Um, and I, I said to myself, First of all, am I the right guy for handling these projects? Because I've never done that. So, of course, you have to make a stretch being part of this uh, of the startup, but also being more and more part of the of the corporate system. Um, and uh, secondly, I always said to myself, you know, it's more than t it was more than ten years, or exactly ten years now. Uh, this very, very successful, fantastic journey from the very early beginning with just four founders, no money, no investors, everything right. else to a 220 million company, the acquisition worked out well, being part of the leadership team, all that stuff was so successful. Um, but I had a lot of things, but I had never had time for myself. That is one thing I figured out. And I always told myself at some point, I want to really say to myself, now it's time to move on into the next chapter. And that might be a break. Um, and I, never talked to somebody else, just to really myself. And I figured out, I think now is a very good time because our first line at Rantastic is very well organized. There's good people. And uh, I, I saw myself, the company would work without me. And, and you're not the corp, like the guy who wants to do all the integration, which happens a lot. Yes. I mean, friends of mine who've been part of the Facebook acquisition, um, by, like, in, like the Instagram acquisition to Facebook said, well, this is my journey. This is how far we go. And now I'm leaving because I'm not the corporate, big corporation guy. And, you know, the next step for me would probably be start the next company. Yes. And not like do this corporate thing. This is like something that was your, your yeah. thinking as well. There were, there were never exactly a deadline where I said now integration, because we already did integration in the last couple of years where I was involved as well. So that was totally part of the game. But, uh, But of I course, mean, it's, it's a new, it's, it's a new era without the brand name. For exactly. Example. Exactly. Yeah. And also for me, it was the right timing because my people were ready. And sometimes, so what I learned in my life is everybody's replaceable. So we are all not that important as we might think sometimes, um, you know, and even though the biggest, the best, whatever is gone, uh, the world is moving on. The company is moving on. And there might be always other people that can help the company. And I said to myself, okay, if I'm leaving now, um, there might be another leader coming in and that's exactly what happened. So we had a, re we had a really good guy from, from Silicon Valley coming in, um, who is now leading probably totally different than me, but with way more corporate experience, with way more uh, political experience, how, how to deal in big corporations um, in it. And again, for me, it was the right point where Are I you said- sad? To, Are you sad? No, I'm not sad. Definitely not. No. I'm more happy and glad for the company because I'm meeting people there, they're all doing well. So, you know, nobody got fired. We didn't have these layoffs or, or whatever. So it's all on a good way. And also Adidas is happy because the integration and what we're seeing now from the numbers, which I somehow don't know, but a little bit I do know, um, um, they are doing well. And that was exactly from the very early beginning, the plan that we're doing really good stuff and we are helping the brand in a digital way. And that's happening. And so... Again, it's really, I'm very honest, it's a good story to talk about because it's really done in a very well way. Do you sometimes think that you sold, you know, for, that you could have sold for more? Uh, I th so people are asking me, would you do it the same way? And I would do it exactly the same way, a hundred percent. It was really 
Everything at the time was the right decision we, we made. Fortunately, really, I have to knock on wood. So it all worked out very, very well. And I would never say to myself, could we have got uh, get more money? I or mean, whatever. it's big market right now, like fitness, tracking, sure, sure. software, data. Everybody's going into this yes, market. Yes, but it's also a competitive market. You know, many companies didn't make it. Um, also, if you look now at Fitbit. Fitbit, yeah, they got acquired by Google for 2.1 billion. But nonetheless, if you look at the stock market, where they have been, like... I mean, a, Google a, has a, to invest at some point in something, right? Of course. So. And they're selling health at, at a, a bigger topic, not just tracking like medical health and health is the next big trillion billion, uh, right. a trillion Absolutely. Um, business market. And I think Facebook, Apple, um, all are going in there. So it was an obvious acquisition, but I wouldn't say it was successful for Fitbit. No, definitely not. And we we had a very, very good story and yeah, we worked it out, fortunately. And, and it you, was the right thing. Yeah. And you are on a break now. I'm on Doing a, not, what? That, that's not true anymore. I was on a break now for the first six months of 2019, uh, doing nothing, basically. That was really... You're an investor. You invest I'm in companies. I'm an investor. Uh, now more, uh, I'm invested in more than 20 startups. So for me, this is a little bit like a duty, you know. I was allowed to make a lot of money in Austria, in a small country where entrepreneurship was not that common. Back in 2009... There were no business angels when we started. Right. I remember when we first met in San Francisco, you talked about how you had to talk to all these different people yes. and no, nobody wanted to give you any money. Exactly. So obviously that's yeah. a big this thing. This is our yeah. Austrian-German culture. Every, right. Everybody knew why it's not working. So that was quite interesting. Right. There was no, no, no for founders, no stupid idea who should run with a phone, blah, blah, blah. So nonetheless, fortunately, we we believed in ourselves and uh, I, I always like to challenge no's uh, in my life. Um, so I did my break for six months, really was traveling a lot and had to learn uh, checking emails, but no emails coming in, which uh, at the beginning is very strange. Uh, you, you also bought a Porsche. Yeah, that's, I did that a little bit earlier. I'm, again, I like cars. I'm a car guy. And this was a big dream when I was 17. I wrote on a, on a small piece of paper. Uh, by the age of 35, I want to afford uh, a Porsche. Um, uh, fortunately, it, it w went well and I could do that earlier, but it's not the most important thing in life. It was, you know, this, this whole uh, journey on the way that I was able to do that was probably even nicer and more exciting than, yeah, you bought it. Now you have the car. Okay. All good. I still, again, I, I'm a big car guy. I do a little bit of race driving. So that's a, one hobby of mine. Okay. Yes. Um, but then um, after a six months break, yes, uh, together with my uh, co-founders, uh, we started like a company for investing. Now we're having more than 20 investments. I'm also being part of the Shark Tank in Austria. Um, very early investments. So pre-seed, seed stage. Um And yeah, let's see how they, were, they work out. And I also co-founded a company back in 2012 already. Uh, that one is doing very well and I'm supporting them a little bit more. They are called Tractive, doing GPS tracking for cats and dogs. Is it easier for an entrepreneur to get money from you or harder? At the beginning, it was easier because I was a little bit naive here and there, you know, and they say, oh yeah, I think I learned a lot in the last two years uh, of investing. That How I much did be, you did you lose? Like no, I didn't lose that. From the 20 startups, so 18 are still alive. Um, so two are gone, um, and one one uh, was a very successful exit, um, fortunately. So I wouldn't. I would say so far we made a little bit of money, um, but again, it's this portfolio way you're investing into 20. Hopefully, two three will really 
become bigger, paying back all the other ones. Uh, hopefully more are doing better, but again, doing the math, um, not of all, all of them can be successful. And what I also learned that here and there, I like to invest a little bit later stage. Let's say when the company is already doing a few million euros in revenue, the founders know already the business model. I think I can help better in that stage. And I definitely... Because you know so much about the corporate world? Not right the now? corporate world, but I think in the world where you are being like, let's say 25 to 35 or 40 people, how to scale that to 100, how really to optimize a business model. Um, and in the very early phase, what I figured out, and that's a big learning, um, you have to deal a lot just with founder clash and with convincing them, is that the right thing to do? So it's, I would say, harder and it needs way more time in early stage investment compared to a little bit established startup already. And, you know, by the end of the day, it's all about time. And now we are probably hiring also a, a portfolio manager because we can't handle it ourselves anymore for 20 plus startups. And I probably like to invest a little bit more later stage and help by myself a little bit more. If I'm an entrepreneur and I'm listening to this podcast, what do I have to bring to the table to make you interested in investing Yes, so in, I, in me and my company, my idea, uh, talking about different, I, I don't know, topics, layers, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what, markets. In general, what, what I've learned in the last uh, few years, what I've changed, my principles are, you know, many people coming with, hey, Flo, I have this idea. I say, wow, that's so great. I have a uh, hundred ideas. And I think 10 of them are really billion dollar ideas. So the idea for me is five to 10%. It's important that there's an idea, but we all do have ideas. So it's all about execution. I always said 90% execution. I switched that in the last two years a little bit and said, probably the idea 5% to 10%, 70% execution, and then the, the, there's 20% left, and this is timing. Timing is a, a very important part of the deal. Because if you look back at Steve Jobs or uh, Bill Gates, uh, they are genius, yeah, probably, yes. But they also were in the right timing when semiconductors came up, the era of home computing and so on. Uh, the same hap uh, happened to the iPhone, uh, to the phones. And the same happened a little bit to Rantastic. Because we started when the mobile market, the app stores, really started growing a lot. So those are my three principles. And the biggest one is execution. And the execution is done by whom? By the team. So for me, the most important part is the founder team. It's and also in which stage they are. Are they still in the idea stage? We want to do so. And mm, because I want to be convinced. If they say, I quit my job, we're working six, uh, uh, since six months on that. Um, we have done this. We have a prototype. We already got first customer feedback. That's the right time where I'm really getting interested in. I want to see that the people are convinced and they, They, they are going all in. You know, they are not saying, oh, I'm working still 40 hours aside because I want to be safe. I have to pay my, 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 my rent and, and so on and so on. Which you uh, did when you started, right? Exactly. But what we did then, we worked at the weekend, um, built apps for other companies to took that money to invest in Rantastic because nobody invested in us at all. Right. So that was the, the only option we had. But even that I would like a lot. But again, the founder team is so important. And of course, I'm more investing in technology-driven companies. And here, the mix is very important for me to having kind of a product guy and kind of a techie. This is a very, I don't need the financial guy in the early stage. The CFO is not so important for me. Um, but it's important for me, somebody who really understands, lives the product, and somebody who has the technical knowledge to build it. 
Is there like still an interest to invest in fitness or like fitness related, tra tracking related uh, startups? Or is the market, we talked about all the big corporations yeah. moving into the market. Is it saturated or is it is there no point of entry for new no, companies? I, I, no, no, I wouldn't say so. There's always a point of entry because you can always do something new in a different way. Uh, but it's not in general that I'm saying I'm specialized or I'm looking uh, more into fitness. Of course, from a personal interest because I'm still doing a lot of sports, um, but not Nonetheless, no, it's more technology in general. And also I did two food and beverages here in Munich, for example, and whatever. So so it's it's really, but even food and beverages with subscription model is digital. You know what I mean? So it's like more the business models where I want to support. And yeah. As somebody who's from Austria, who invested, as you just mentioned, in, in Munich and who's like kind of like kind of from the area of, of what we call the Maker Mountains, the yeah, area yeah. of Munich, Bavaria, Austria, mm -hmm. and so on. What do you think is special about this area in terms of mindset, companies, ideas? Yeah, I think uh, the people are special here in a way of you really can trust them. At some point, even though, you know, when you're being on the ski hut, so first of all, there's no sea, there's, no, there's always this really very calm and good environment where people say to each other hello and being nice to each other. But then, well, that's also a little bit the difference between the Austrian and Germans, that the Austrians are a little bit more relaxed. The German, oh, really? Yeah, I, I would not, you know, the Bavarians are very, I would say we are very similar at all. But if you are getting a little bit to the north in Germany, it's getting a little bit more strict. I've seen them during my Axel Springer times, at the beginning at least. <laughs> At the dinner in the evening after the second beer and the first gin tonic. So we're all talking, the, the, we're all uh, doing the same language. But um, what is special about us, um, I think you really can rely on us. If we say, hey, we have an appointment at seven and we're doing so, then we are doing so. And we are not just talking about uh, bullshit and doing a lot of marketing stories. I have one of my slides in my, my keynotes is always this American way with nine marketing guys and one techie. And we in Europe having these nine tech guys and this little marketing guy not allowed to say that we are building a hundred million company. Uh, and the US guys are saying we're building the next billion dollar company. And I think that, uh, you know, the answer is somewhere in the middle. And uh, we are getting there. We are becoming more self-confident. We know we can do better. Um, and what I like about us is really uh, we are being, you can rely on each other. And next to business, there's still friendship that I always admired that a lot, that there's friendship. Because with all the, the people we have done business, I would say with most of them, like you guys, um, since years, of course, there's business. But there's also friendship. And if you can combine that, that's the best thing in life you can do. But there's also a lot of competition, you know, and jealousy, sure you yeah. know, in the startup uh, ecosystem. In the startup ecosystem, well. there's always competition. Right. But that is what drives you. You, you right. know, we all do need that exactly. um, to look yeah. at somebody and say, hey, we want to be better, faster, and we want to crush them. Sure. Absolutely. What sometimes frustrates me from my perspective, having been living in the US for, for so long, mm -hmm. is how slowly everything's changing. I mean, we see. Here in Europe, you yeah, we yes. certainly see yeah. it in the numbers. Yeah. You know, venture capital is rising. Guys like you investing the money they made through acquisitions back into the ecosystem. But, you know, it's going so slowly. I totally agree. But also you have to, to admit 
uh, we are being uh, many countries here in Europe with different languages, with different cultures. Um, the US has one big advantage. It's 300 plus million people with one language and more or less one, one culture. And if you, you want to be successful there, or if you're being successful in this one country, uh, you made it, so to say, and it's easier than to get to Europe and whatsoever. And again, that's really still a disadvantage we're having in this in the European Union that there are so many regulations and so many borders, so to say. And somehow we are building even more borders if you look at now Brexit and all this stuff. So uh, is it going into the right direction? I don't know. Uh, at least we do understand that startups are more important. I just talked to our non-chancellor at the moment, so Sebastian, um, we want to force startups more into our countries because we need it. They are being the game changers. The entrepreneurs, we are building the companies for the future. And I think the changes will become bigger, even here in Europe and Germany, if you look at the car industry, there will be a disruption. It, it is already happening. Yeah, the only the only one who is not getting it is the car industry. Yeah, they saw it too late. You're right. <laughs> I totally agree on that. So we, we all do know that. Yeah. So when do you start your next company? When do I start my next company? Um, and what is it about? That's, that's not easy to say. I committed myself that I'm not starting it in 2020. Um, because I think there's a few more startups in my portfolio. I can help a lot. And especially the one I talked about, uh, Tractive, they are being now in a stage, they are being 80 people already. And this is for sure becoming a hundred million plus company. And, uh, I think I can support them a little bit more on their journey to success. Uh, and I also co-founded the company back in 2012. So there's an emotional binding here. Uh, maybe 2020, I, I will support there a little bit more. And then I would say, probably 2021 or 2022, I definitely want to start something again. But I also know if I do it, there's only one way and that it's all in. And all in man means many, many hours, many, many other things you can't do. And I'm not ready for that yet. Because you just bought yourself a new car, right? No, it's not about the car. The car, you know, to be very honest, um, I'm driving most of the things what I do by train because I'm going to Linz, Vienna each week and I just bought my yearly train ticket. I'm also looking more and more into the environment. I'm also driving my, my e-car me, uh, meanwhile. Um, and yeah, I also think about really avoiding long-term flights. Uh, I'm not going to the US anymore five, five times a year. I reduced that to once or twice a year at least. So I think that's also a big change. You know, it's not only greenwashing, but sustainability is a big topic. It has been a big topic for Adidas. It has been a big topic for my, my friend Josh, you know, in the US uh, since, since the early beginning. And yeah, maybe also a company in that environment could be interesting. Oh, so kind could of like be. a sneak, sneak nah, there, there into no, what Florian Fatna <laughs> is doing next. Nah, yeah, there, there is impact no, there, sustainability company. I think purpose and impact is important. Yes. But that doesn't mean you can combine that. Fantastic had impact. We had so many million of people change their life, losing weight, becoming fitter. So many success stories. Yes, I always want to do an impact company. I always want to do a company but the with next purpose. One, but the next one would be something in the area of green tech. Uh, it could be. Could yes. Be. At the moment, I'm I'm really looking a little bit more into those topics like energy, like sustainable materials. You know how you can build something, what you can rebuild. Um, what we have done with Adidas Pali for the Ocean, where we we're collecting. 
uh, uh, ocean from uh, plastic from the ocean and rebuilding shoes and other stuff. I like ideas like that, and I think it's only the the beginning point because right now the latest numbers I read is 2.5 percent in this whole apparel industry is just really uh, reused, and you know there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of space there and a and, lot of money, of course. And you, of course, would start your next company in Germany as well. Uh, or in Austria? Maybe uh, the second office would be in Germany. No, but I for sure would start in Austria again. I live there. I like it there. I think I build a, a very good, net, very good, but let's say a good network in Austria and in Germany. So I'm, I'm well connected here in Munich and in Berlin because through my Axel Springer Adidas and the bits and pretzels event. And you know, the, you gave me a lot of opportunities Thanks to network it. on a very, very high level. Um, really can just, uh, really recommend everybody to go to the next event, uh, probably in September again. Yeah, we can, we can do that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. No, but, um, um, I like this area and you know, we have people from 41 nations at Rantastic in Austria. And always people asking me, how did you do that? Of course, it's not easy to convince somebody instead of Barcelona and New York going to Linz. Um, you have to work hard on that. But if you convince somebody to come there, they stay for a long time and there's no such big headhunting from other companies. You know, there's always pro and con. So I would start in Austria again for sure. And I will, hopefully. Florian, thanks for coming on the podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And I hope I could share some, some interesting insights. Thanks a lot. All right, that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Bits and Pretzels podcast. If so, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or come and visit our website at bitsandpretzels.com. We'll also provide you with updates on new episodes, guests, and a look behind the scenes on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And if you want to recommend a guest for our show, or if you just want to tell us your thoughts about this podcast, please let us know at podcast at bitsandpretzels.com. We are always happy to hear from you and curious about your feedback. And in the meantime, it'd be great if you would share and like and give us a five-star rating. I'm Britta Wedling. Thanks for listening.